Timothy chapter 3. Go ahead and take your chairs. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and find verse 10, and we're going to read down to verse 12. And we're going to look at, well, let me say it like this. Before Israel received the blessing, and you've got to understand the name Israel represents the blessing, um, he was Jacob. Amen? So God changed Israel, uh, Jacob's name to Israel. And he did that often. He changed uh, Peter's name. And he was the reed. And then he changed to Peter the rock. Um, he changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. When God is doing work in, uh, in your life, he changes your name because the name represents who you are. Very, very more so then than it does now. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, it reads, But you, Timothy, certainly know how or know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone, say everyone, who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. Lord, we thank you for being there when we need you and for pulling us out of every situation that you've ever brought us to. Lord, I ask on this day that we would begin to understand that when we go through, it's not for anything, you're just for simply just past time, but there's a purpose in our life. There's a reason. We thank you, we love you, and we're careful to give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See, Jacob was one who struggled throughout his life. When you look at this man, that, the word Jacob means surplanter. And, and if you really break it down, it means this, one who grabs the heel. He struggled with his nature. He struggled with others. Let's put it this way. And it's much like us. Hello, amen. His greatest struggle was with God. See, before we come into our promise and, and believe me, when you come to the Lord, God doesn't just bring you in just to bring you in. He brings you in with a promise in mind. We're going to struggle with our nature. Somebody say, ouch. And you're going to struggle with a lot of things, and God will use a lot of different things. But listen. Our struggle or the struggle is a part of the process. And you cannot hate the process. Without that, then we don't change. Now today, on Super Soul Sunday, I want to look at that sport in relation to our life. Amen? Because you think about football, if you ever anybody been into sports, right? 
NFL is a struggle, right? So this is the National Football League, but our struggle is a little different. Now check this out, at 62 years old, Montana says he is unable to take part in almost, well, let me say Montana, I got a Joe Montana, who is a quarterback for the 49ers, Jose's team, his demonic team, no, I'm just kidding. But he says this, he is unable to take part in almost all of the physical activities he once enjoyed because of the multitude of physical problems as a result of his 15 years in the NFL. He has had elbow surgery, three neck fusions, he has arthritis in his joints, knees, and hands, and there's nerve damage in one eye due to the head trauma that he suffered while being a quarterback in the National Football League. Jamato, 0-0, 70 years old today, NFL Hall of Famer, center for the Raider Nation. He wakes every morning and looks at his $40,000 carbon fiber leg decorated with the Raiders' shield and a tiny version of his famous number 00 jersey. Fifteen years of pounding in the NFL and close to 70 surgeries on his knees, shoulders, back, nose, and he had an open out open heart surgery due to the infections of his multiple surgeries that had to come in and restore his heart for 15 years of playing in the NFL. Well, we're going to learn and we're going to see two teams who struggle to get to this point in the National Football League. But our struggle, our NFL, our new found life is a struggle. And listen, we're going to win. See, we're, and we must be empowered to, to a great extent to win. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to win. Amen. And because we're going to win, God has to empower us. Because Jesus said we could be of good cheer, not be sad. Because we could be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Because he has overcome the world, we can overcome. Now, here's the difference. Our NFL is not simply a 15-year experience. Ours is a lifetime. Jeremiah 12.5, he's the weeping prophet, and he was known for always lamenting before the Lord and crying and sniveling like we all do from time to time. But he, the Lord tells him, and he says like this, if you have raced with mere men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan. So the implication here is that we're called not just to struggle with men. The Bible is clear. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. And God needs to develop a people who can go beyond the struggles, the normal struggles that we all face with each other, with society, with the world, with the system. He goes, I need people to get beyond this struggle because if you can't handle this struggle, how can you handle the struggle that I need you for? There is a spiritual struggle for the souls of men and women, for the souls of community. How can I raise up? In fact, I say like this, he can't use us if we're still struggling in the natural. 
So our struggle is not just a four-month season. Hello? It's not just a four-month football season. In relation to any sport or activity on earth, our struggle is a lifetime. It's a lifetime. Over a 15-year period in the NFL, seems like a lifetime, over a 15-year period, check this out, 30,186 injury reports have been filed. 51,596 regular seasons of work were missed. On average, an injury costs 1.71 weeks per injury. Knee injuries, 4,500 knee injuries that have cost 7,600 weeks. Knees, just knees. Some other common culprits rounded the top 10 per player in damage. ACL, hamstring, ankles, foot, non-breaks, forward. Groin, Achilles, shoulders, non-tears, back injuries at number nine, back injuries. At number 10, concussions. That seems brutal. Now turn to Genesis chapter 3. So you've seen all these injuries. We can see that the NFL is a struggle. So my goal is from now on, every time you watch an NFL game, you're going to think about God. Genesis 3.17, you all have it? God is talking to his first quarterback. And the man... And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the trees whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles, though you will eat from its grains. The sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Struggle. Struggle. Now some of you are saying, man, I'm really lifting your spirits right now. Believe me, I'm going to get you where I need to get you. Because let's be for real. If life were easy, we wouldn't need God. Could you imagine if everything you ever wanted you had and you got, what would you need God for? The only reason it's a struggle its evidence and its purpose is to turn our life and our sight towards him. Amen? Now, I'm going to use a man by the name of Jacob, and I opened him earlier. And Jacob's life could be called one of struggle. Huh? Again, he struggled with his nature and others. He eventually struggled with God. Huh? And the list of struggles seems endless. I'm going to go through them real quickly, but it began in the womb, right? In Genesis 25, verse 22 to 26, it says the babies jostled with each other. There were twin babies, two babies in there, and they were fighting. Could you imagine they had an MMA? I, felt, I feel, feel sorry for the, for, the, for the mother. There was two babies, and it says they were fighting with each other in the womb. And she asked, why is this happening to me, God? Why? Why can't I just be simple? But I have two babies fighting. Huh? The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. And two people from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will sword the younger. This is a prophecy of two babies struggling, Jacob struggling in the womb. When the time came for her to give birth, there were two twin boys in her womb. The first come out was red. 
And his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Man, I'm almost 60. Don't even think about it, Deborah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. If that happens, brother, we're having miracles in the house. Right? <laughs> Shoot. They struggled. So it began right away. And if you read the story of these two, they, after they came out of the womb, it just began. They began to struggle for their father's affection. Then they keep fighting, and Isaac sees and starts to learn something, and then he begins to struggle for the birthright because he was the secondborn, and he wanted to be the firstborn, so he wanted that birthright. So he was conniving and jiving, and then his mother hooked into it, and she sided with, with, with the boy. She had a favorite boy, never had favorites. Got a favorite, and now she's conspiring with Jacob to, be, to get the birthright, right? Then he... Then he Tries to get the birthright, and he, and he connives for the blessing, Esau's uh, blessing. And, and he comes in there, and, he, and I call this the Esau's anti-blessing. Because of that, his own brother threatened to kill him, and Isaac had to run. I mean, um, Jacob had to run from Esau because he was conniving, and Esau, I'm going to kill you because he took the birthright over a pot of beans. Right? Esau was a flesh monster, and he was hungry one day, and, and, and Jacob said, this guy, I know this guy. And over a pot of beans, Esau said, yeah, you can have my birthright. And Jacob snatched it from him. Hmm? So at this point in his life, he created a, a cycle, and scholars termed this cycle the Jacob cycle, right? And I'll say just for you, you scholars, it's called Bekorah, Bekor, and Bekara, the birthright, the firstborn, and the blessing, it's a cycle that, that, that he wanted. Now let's turn to Jeremiah 12, 5. 12, 5 through 6. New Living's Translation. If racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Even... Your brothers, members of your own family, have turned against you. They plot and raise complaint against you. Do not rush to them, no matter how pleasantly they speak. See, Jeremiah is complaining to God about the struggle he's going through. He was in the Bekora, Bekor and Bekorah cycle. For sake of time, you can go to that later. But Jacob's struggle is continual. Then we come to the most important struggle that we're going to find. And this is where I believe we all come to real quickly. We begin to struggle with God. Hmm? Hello, someone. When you struggle with God, and it's like, it's like this. God calls you. God delivers you. We come to him, and we think that's all it is. That is not all it is. God needs and has a plan for you. The very reason that you were born, because he had a plan for you. In fact, the, 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 the proof that he has a plan is that you were born. He has a plan, and we struggle with his plan. So God said, I got to get this guy to a point where he'll submit to my plan. Listen to me. And how does he do that? How does he get our attention? Well, with Jacob, first, he, you know the early struggle, but then he began to struggle with his uncle, Laban. 
chapter 29. We're not going to go through everyone. And see, Laban was there, and he had two daughters. And so Laban connived him and got him to marry both women. Right? But he struggled with Laban, who was a better conniver than him. Why? Not because God liked connivers. God had to get Jacob to a point where he would finally submit to God's plan. Hello? So he gets Laban, and then he begins to struggle with his wives. Now he has two of them. So we can tell right away that this guy was not a smart, because one's enough. And he had two. Hello, somebody? And the Bible says between the loved and the unloved, Rachel and Leah, and they were struggling for Jacob's attention. Now, now he had another struggle. Amen? And after this struggle and during this struggle, he's under servitude because he said, Laban, I'll work for you for seven years if you let me marry Rachel. He gave him Lab uh, the, Leah instead of Rachel. He said, you want Rachel? you got to give me another seven years. So he's under servitude, and he's struggling with his uncle. Now, Rachel must have been something else for him to work 14 years. Huh? You guys think the home is bad. He, 14 years because he wanted to marry Rachel. But he struggled. Then he's struggling to be free from Laban in chapter 30 of Genesis. And then he struggles with his brother because now his brother is after him. Remember, he wants to kill him. So Jacob is always fighting good, like a, a trial here, a trial there. His wife, his uncle, now his brother, his family. He's struggling and struggling and struggling. Then he struggles with his neighbors, the Canaanites. He struggles with the loss, Rachel's death. The one he loved, the one he fought for, the one he worked for for 14 years, she dies at childbirth. It gives him Benjamin. His child. See, his most crucial struggle, we read here in Genesis 32. Let's all turn there. In Genesis 32, verse 24 through 29. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day's breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, when you read that, you think, wow, this is pretty, this is, what, what's the big deal? See, every one of us in this walk with the Holy Spirit will encounter a struggle. And so you got to understand, the blessing didn't come just because you came to a service, you walked in, and you said, I accept Jesus Christ in my life. That, that's a man-made tradition. Listen. The only way you get a blessing is if you walk by faith, you stick it out, and in the middle of struggling with the people sitting right next to you. 
You don't let them get you down. You struggle with the one, your neighbor. You struggle. You fight. You complain. But you stick it out because during that struggle, God is doing something in you. See, and once you struggle, during that struggle, you're also struggling with God. You know, simple things, man things, no more lying. No more withholding the truth. No more conniving and jiving. Right? Submit ye. Put on humility. Can I keep going? The list, the list. And so all these things are struggling with God because it doesn't feel good when, when you have to do what God tells you to do. Oh, because you mean, mean Sam can agree with that? Let me say it again. It, when God tells you to do something, it, if it feels good, uh, I'm 90%, not all the time, but if it feels good, you could probably bet that it's not God. Every now and then it'll feel good, when he, you know, but for the most part, why? Because there's a lot of stuff in us. And where does it start? It starts in the womb. Right? And so God has to get all that out. So he has to, has to have you struggle to get you out of you. And how does he get you out of you? He puts people like you around you. Let me say that again. He puts you around you. Because the only thing worse than you is you. Hello, someone. Amen? And so you got to struggle. And it says there in Genesis, because you have struggled with men and with God and have prevailed, I'm going to bless you. See, it is at this juncture we either receive the blessing or we move away under our own power. Because we get, well, these people, that person. And we're always blaming things. Uh, it's these people. And then you go find another kind of God or another place to worship God at your, at your, at your beckon. Can I say like that? At your pace. But you move not because of God, because of people. So look so now you got to go, and God said, oh, you can do anything. You, you know, you can choose where you want to go. So you go to another group of people, but you still have to face the same struggle because we have to learn to struggle with men and with God and prevail. That's why I opened it with Jeremiah. How can you run with horses if you can't even compete with men? That's the whole object of this. You can't let mere men dictate what you do. The struggles, unless you never struggle with people, right? People are no struggles, right? That's why I love the home, because they struggle rapid fire. Okay, man, it's rapid. Huh? But if you struggle and prevail, God will bless you. That's why 80% of all leadership globally in Victor Arch International, all over the world, from Europe to Panama, Latin America, Africa, Asia, 80% of all our leaders come from the home. Why? Because they've learned to struggle with man and with God and have prevailed. Most people, when they struggle with people in the church, they just find another church. As if people aren't there. And the, and, and the problem with that is this. Wherever you go, there's going to be struggle. Why? Because you're going there. Hello, someone. Amen. See, struggle, battle, fight, melee, skirmish, free fall. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your neighbor. It's not against your wife, your husband, 
but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In the heavenly realms. It's a spiritual battle, right? So do you understand that our struggle is a spiritual battle? Amen? But every struggle you go through with people is preparing you for that struggle. If you can't deal with people, God can never use you in the spiritual battle. Can never use you. So it's, it's a weeding out process, if you will. A self-reckoning, if you will. If you're capable of fighting the real fight. How many of us have struggled within ourselves about a certain situation? Hmm? Today, some may be struggling with God about something. Hello. See, sometimes you know what you shouldn't do, but you do it anyway. Hello, anybody? I shouldn't do it, but you do it anyway. Huh? Why do we, why do we often struggle with the Lord? Why? It's because we struggle with people and the Lord for one reason. One, there's only one reason. Change. God wants to change us. Huh? See, struggles are a good thing. They're a sign that you're changing. Right? You know, I go to the gym all the time, and if I want to improve, guess what? I have to increase my workout. I got to add more weight to the struggle. I just, I just up my cardio another 30 minutes. Boom, because I was at a plateau, and I go, I'm not gaining anything. So I, I upped my cardio. So now i got to stay in the gym two hours there, bro, instead of an hour and a half. So you got to stay long. you got to room with me, girl. Amen? you got to. And, and things are changing. Now, in this day and age, things are changing fast. Fast. I mean, boom, 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 boom. From the time of Christ, I shared this years ago. I'm going to share it again. From the time of Christ to 1760, 1,760 years. World knowledge, all knowledge, doubled one time. From the time of Christ, 1,760 years, everything that was known doubled one time. From 1760 to 1880, that is what, 120 years? It doubled again. You see how rapidly things change? In 1914... From 1880 to 1914, that's 34 years, it doubled a third time. Now, the raw mass of human knowledge, everything we know, doubles twice a year. Boom, 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 boom. Everything we know doubles in six months. So the world is changing, and we want to stay the same? Uh -uh. And what happens? Who, who benefits, or rather, who can manipulate that knowledge to our detriment? The world and the devil. And he is, and he has. He's there. If, if, if our governments or governments of the world begin to turn wicked, which they're getting there more and more, right? One, they declared that infanticide is now okay. New York did that. That you can have a baby birth and let to die, but we'll, we'll make sure it's comfortable. I don't know about you, but dying is not comfortable. But finally, politicians have pulled the curtain 
from the wickedness that is prevailing in our country and in the world. And it's doubling and doubling and doubling. More now than ever, people have to become spiritual because when the attack comes to you and not a defenseless baby, if you can't run with men, you will never be able to contend with the spiritual realm. So we have to make warriors, fighters, not church members. Because we're at that day. It's more and more and more. We're fighting about whether we're a man or a woman. There is, in Canada, was it Canada? They had forced six-year-olds to write love letters to kids of their own gender. And that's coming our way. I mean, I could keep going on and on. The, 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 the devil is not hiding no more. Before it was safe and sound and, uh, and take care of this. Now it's blatant. This is who we are. Deal with it. Knowledge. Going rapid fire. So we will have struggles in life. Don't make it worse by struggling with God. Some people confuse wrestling with God with wrestling with him. Most of the time, let me tell you something. The devil is not dealing with you. Mm -mm. You're not having a fight against the devil. Our struggle is with ourselves. We have far too many areas to struggle with for God to let, allow the Satan to struggle with you. See, Jacob and our struggles can be distilled down, distilled down to three areas, three things. The same areas we all struggle with. Habits, relationships, and emotions. You, you, I don't care. You just boil them down. It's either a bad habit or hello, someone. It's either a bad relationship or it's emotions. See, and if you can't deal with those three as all, how are you going to be able to see that? How are you going to be able to deal with that? This is the reality of what we're in. This is the Christian faith. This is not a place where we attend because we have friends, although we can have friends. To me, there's more to this. When, when God gave us a commission that we are to reach every inner city of the world, it means we are to go blows with the devil. And we have to come in not by power or might, but by the Spirit of God, saith the Lord. It's habits. Some habits are good, right? Some habits are good. You know, everybody... Probably put on clean underwear. Great habit, great habit, great habit. We all take baths. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Especially if they're sitting by you. But some habits are counterproductive. Right? They'll hinder you. And most people want to change your bad habits. But changing a habit is very difficult. Why? Because it requires discipline. Discipline. And see, if God, rather, if the devil can get you down to the lowest common denominator of who a man is, which is self, lust, the, the, the animalistic tendency of who you are, then the devil will keep you there. But if you have a little bit of discipline, you can fight those things off. No, I don't drink. I don't smoke. Why? Because I'm disciplined. I'm focused. And I'm this. And that's good. You'll get it to this point. But now, now, now you have a different struggle. Hmm? But you, you're going to have to struggle with your habits. See, some people, because it's difficult, because change is difficult, 
they resist change. Even good change is difficult, right? It is good change. Like we live in America, and you know, America used to be the, the, the most obese country in the world. Did you know that? It used to, for, for like 50 years, America, we got America, obese country in the world, and, you know, and, and because we used to, we, we lost that title about four years ago. The most obese country in the world now is Mexico. That's why when people say, they want to leave Mexico because they want a better life. No, they don't. They're living fat over there. They're living large. They don't need to come here. The only reason they're coming here is because they want some of our money to take it back. They're not dying over there. They're living good over there. Have you, 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 people who say they haven't been there. You haven't been there. They're living good over there. They don't need to be here. It's money. It's always money. It's always money. Huh? But see, because we're that, we can always say that all of us want to be more healthy, right? How many want to be more healthy? And the reason we're not more healthy is for one reason, because it takes discipline. It takes discipline. Hey, I seen that one picture on, on Facebook the other day, and it, it had this one, you know, heavy Chicano looking like me, you know, big, big guy and his girlfriend, and she was a little, you know, she was a little, you know, on, on, on the thick side. And then they seen these two on the beach walking by, you know, the one you want to slap because you're jealous. They're walking by, and the guy goes, there goes us, but we like tacos. <laughs> That's right. We like tacos. That's why we ain't like that. Amen. Because it takes discipline. You don't look like that by accident. You have to work. You have to work. You have to work. Amen. So you have, it takes time. Other habits, things that affected our relationship. See, the only decision more important than choosing a mate is choosing Jesus. And so if you, you know, you got to be careful. Because relationships are the next struggle that you're going to have. Uh, the, a bad relationship are obvious. A bad relationship is obvious to everyone except those two people in it. If they're in a bad relationship, you can tell them all you want, but they don't bite it. They, you know, only the ones in a bad relationship, the ones that are in it don't realize it, only everybody else, because we all see it. But we can't, you can't tell the person nothing because if you do, then they get mad at you. They reject you. Rebuke you. Okay, well, go ahead with your bad self. I've learned this. Love is blind and it's deaf. Can't hear a thing. So you just leave it alone. Let them figure it out. Right? The advice, this is my only advice I can give you. Take your time and choose carefully. Uh, recently I, 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 I read a love letter from a young lady who wrote to her former fiancé. Dear Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. Please, will you take me back? No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. And congratulations on winning the state lottery. Well, <laughs> relationships. Second, the third thing is emotions. Emotions can be good if we learn not to trust them. Hello, someone. See, joy is great. Laughter is good for the soul. 
But you got to be careful with your, with your emotions. Uncontrolled emotions, envy, jealousy, lust, and pride, they're the problem. Proverbs 13, or rather 23-17 reads, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Proverbs 27-4 reads, Wrath is fierce and anger is a flood, but who can stand before jealousy? Emotions. Envy is a cruel emotion. It was envy that crucified Jesus. Jealousy removes reason from the reasonable. Lust drives people to violence and deceit. Pride. Pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. Pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up any possibility of love, contentment, and common sense. It was pride that brought Lucifer down. Pride. Isaiah 40, 14, 12, I'm coming in for landing. How far you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. Now why do I say that? Because in essence, when people reject God and, and do not want anything to do with God, they want to exalt themselves above everything else. They have put themselves in the place of God. And it's pride. And only a fool has said there is no God. As I close, today as we watch the Super Bowl, as a touchdown is made, I want to imagine, I want you to imagine, you're the offense scoring in the game of your newfound life. The Patriots and Rams average 66.2 plays per game with a total of 1,257.8 plays per season. The Super Bowl will consist of a fierce struggle for the next 132.4 plays. The team who struggles best wins. Your life will consist of count, countless plays, fumbles, interceptions, offsides, illegal use of hands, pass interference, and unsportsmanlike conduct. That is your life. Your penalties come in many shapes. A habit, an integrity problem, jealousy, envy, pride, or perhaps a bad relationship. Never forget this. If you're in Christ, you're not just a winner. You're more than a conqueror. See, that's what these struggles are for. Not just to bum kick you out. They're there to make you. You cannot, you cannot build a house with a little bit of pounding. You cannot do anything with it without having some effort. So we need men and women who can take a punch. Who can go into the fight, not blinded. They understand. They're walking in eyes wide open. They know what they're involved in. They're not, they're not mystified and lied to by prosperity messages 
and all these fanfares that some would, would try to put to you, which is your life, that, that, is, that is an afterflow of the battle we're in. And you're the conqueror. To compete in our walk of faith, we need to go into strict training. To win the trophy, we're going to have to play according to the rules. 1 Corinthians 9. Check this out. Paul was writing to the church there, and they were under much persecution. Corinth was much like San Francisco, a port city where perversion was rampant. They had temple worship where men would come into the temple and have sex with temple prostitutes as part of their worship. It was a prominent religion. And there was a church there in Ephesus with a young man by the name of Timothy and Corinth, a young man coming in trying to, trying to break it open into all this perversion. And he says this, Paul writes, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body. I discipline my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. When I read that, I, oh, I understand that. I've preached a lot of sermons. I've shared Christ to a lot of people. Huh? And my, my nightmare is that all this life would go up in smoke because I would, would revert back to who I once was and make a bad choice, a bad decision embarrass myself, my family, the gospel, Jesus. Because it's clear, we have to stay in strict training. Otherwise, we are in danger of disqualifying ourselves. That's for those uh, Calvinists who think you're, once you're saved, you're always saved. Hmm? No, our struggle is to maintain our faith and to reach the people Jesus died for. That's our struggle. That's why we're here. And if we do that, God will bless our lives. If we do that, God will prosper us. If we do that, but if we think all we got to do is play it safe, then we're kidding ourselves. Colossians 2.1. I want you to know, again, Paul writing to the Colossian church, I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. And for those who are in Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face. So when I read things like this, so this is who I want to be like. Paul went through a lot of stuff. And he said, I didn't go through it for me. I went, I went through it for you guys. Not only those, you guys at that church, but also I went through the people who have never even met me 
I'm going through this. And this was in the early stages of the church, but we're at the end times. If people, if Christians don't learn how to fight, when the enemy exposes himself, then you're going to see what the Bible calls a great falling away, the apostasia. Or even the very elect will reject God. Why? Because during this time of peace, remember he said, how are you going to do when they're, when they're on good ground, when it's time to go through the thickets of the Jordan? During this good time of blessing, and we're living in a blessed age, if you don't train yourself, when the thickets come, who's going to be here? Who's going to really be here in the end times? That's a sobering thought, is it not? So now we need to act like that is a reality. Train up ourselves. Be prepared. Stand tall. Fight in the realm, both spiritually and through others we see. That's what we're called to do, Victor Outreach. I was sharing with the pastors, I go, what are we going to do when we go all over the world? And some of you will go all over the world. And we, we talk big. We're going to take every inner city of the world. You know how says that? There's another faith who says the very same thing that we were saying. Muslims. Their goal is to take over the entire world. I go, what's going to happen when we face these cats in our neighborhoods all over the world? What's going to happen then? So I think about that. I go, wow, it's going to be a trip. Man, we're going to be in these cities, and these, these guys will kill you. What are we going to do then? Hope, hope they don't come to Colorado Springs because we're safe. Or we're going to be prepared. No, not, listen, not everyone are you going to go, but we've we got to get ready. I, I, just, I see this as, as, as the world coming in. Well, I know what set the table for me. When I've seen a baby... A nine-month-old baby, bloodied, singing on a table, and they called that an abortion. That's murder. And I, I just seen that. I posted on my Facebook. I go, people got to see this. We've come to this point where Christians won't stand up and say no. No more. We're in trouble, church. Because there's a lot bigger churches than us that are not saying a darn thing. And that, that worries me. Because somebody should be speaking up. It's open now. It's open. So we have to pray. We have to fast. And ask God to bring soldiers next to us who are ready to fight in the supernatural, who are ready to lay down their lives for the cause of Jesus Christ. That's what it's going to take, church. And if we rise up, nothing can stop us. Who, the Bible said, can stand against us? If God is for us, who? Nobody. That is the NFL, our newfound life. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.